Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Active Talks podcast uh, in our fifth episode, where we will be talking about the gaming industry, specifically from a marketing and PR perspective, focusing on the MENA region and how different it is from the rest of the world. Uh, joining me today is Zaghid Hallak, our uh, gaming expert and uh, video games journalist, and I am your host, Tarek Hakim. Hey. So we will be going over basically like gaming industry in general in the region. And Rahid, as you know, the region is very, very welcoming to the games industry. And there are big communities all over the region, be it in mobile gaming, console gaming, or even PC gaming. And there's niche segments all over the region, which leads us to think about how come the global market has been blind to the region until very recently. If we look maybe 10, 15 years ago, we'd only see a few organizations that actually focus on the region or have it on their radar. But I think, and you can correct me if I'm, wrong, if I'm wrong here, things only started picking up around the mid-2010s, like 2015, yeah, 16, when more things started yeah, it, happening here. It started uh, who do you remember was like one of the first? FIFA, actually. I think it was FIFA 2010 or 12. Or it was one of the first games to include Arabic commentary. It also includes localization. As you know, FIFA is one of the biggest brands in the MENA region. Everyone loves football here. And I think it was one of the first few games that actually went ahead with Arabic commentary, brought Arabic commentators to talk instead of the English and localization. And it was, I think, very well perceived because right now, Saudi Arabia and the GCC overall are one of the biggest markets for the FIFA game. And all of that was built since that localization. Um, that, that's interesting. Do you think EA took a leap with that? Or was it something that based on research? Because we all know that in general, the MENA region loves football. But I would feel like a lot of the audience that follows this don't, doesn't really follow it from official channels due to either bad internet access or inavailability of the official channels. So do you think it was like a kind of a leap of faith or did they base it on just like local people? I think for I think it was actually a mix of both because as you know as you mentioned when it comes to like social media back at that time people were barely using Facebook in the mini region they weren't really much gaming pages and official pages so I think it's based on the market research and also back in that time it was harder to do market research than now because you know like back in PS3 days I think it was before uh, there wasn't I think a Saudi Arabian Fox store and most people were used to buy physical copies and most of these physical copies came from outside the region. So back right. at that day, it was really hard to do like very focused market research. But in the past 10 years, after much be, much bigger publishers and more games have entered the region like Ubisoft, Ubisoft is one of the pioneers when it comes to localization in Arabic. And all of these publishers together started supporting one by one, which led to more people contributing to that and really contributed to the gaming sector in the MENA region. Yeah, right. I mean, th that's a good segue for my next point. Um, you mentioned Ubisoft and they've been one of the oldest companies that have been supporting the region. Like, uh, I believe it all started, mainly started when Assassin's Creed 1 uh, came out because they did need to use a lot of research on the region and they basically started looking here more and more. But then obviously, like you mentioned, more companies jumped on this. And to date, who do you think is like, who are the companies that do this the best? Which are the ones that have managed to build a good community around their games? 
Ubisoft is, as I mentioned, they, they, they kept doing a lot of good things, even though they had their issues in the region, especially in the past year. But overall, they're still beloved. They're still supporting the region a lot, quite a lot. And then there is also Riot Games, who is supporting with localization. They even off, uh, opened an office in, in Dubai, just like Ubisoft did before. They are supporting the region, not with just localization, because r- right now, 2023, supporting the region is not just localizing the game to Arabic. That's part of it. Companies like Ubisoft and Riot are supporting the region with the esports with the esports industry like they're providing official leagues prizes supporting the local talents as well as collaborating with local influencers so it's all part of one package yeah it's basically all about building like a proper community and supporting that community be it by the way that you communicate as a company or even who do you support in the region in terms of creators in terms of the players themselves and we have to remember that all of those are key pillars of the community in the region and uh, you, you did mention uh, localization and how important it is but obviously sometimes it's hit and miss yeah the region is pretty big and not every game or not every publisher often uses formal tone or sometimes they use too much of a formal tone so what do you think is where where does the balance lie in terms of communication or communication in Arabic with the players given that the region is so big? I think it really depends on the IP or let's say the game that you're trying to build a community around and communicating around because some games are very serious so you have to use a serious tone but some games they are very light and fun and chaos sometimes so you also need to use a light language and when it comes to the MENA region there are over 20 dialects and it's really hard to choose one because for example if you choose Egyptian dialect which is mostly the most beloved one and everyone used to it because all of the movies back in the day from Disney were dubbed in Egyptian. That's why people in the MENA region are more used to it. But for example, if you put Moroccan dialect in a game that is distributed in Saudi Arabia, people are not going to love that. But if you put something people are familiar with, it's going to be easier. And it all comes to the culture that was built, I think, our 20 years ago because everyone back then was watching you know the NBC channels and the movies that were shown on TV and we I even like got used to that language now I'm used to Egyptian dubbing in movies but I'm not used to seeing like Saudi dubbing in movies it comes weird to me and so once you like research your your market focus you'll see how the game is then you can start you know using the proper language and right now most most uh, brands and companies in gaming are using modern Arabic standard which is not just the, it was it is like the formal Arabic, but with new modern words added. It's understandable by everyone in the MENA region. All right, and we have seen some good uses of that in Fortnite and other games. How do you feel like in terms of events? Obviously, I remember growing up, there were a couple of events when I was a kid here that were gaming focused, but not that many. But then the early 2010s, the Comic Con started happening, and AGN used to have a con in Dubai and in. Kuwait, if I remember correctly. But then for a few years, things kind of died down. And now Saudi doing a huge push as well as the UAE. Even in Egypt now, insomnia, we're seeing a lot of events happening. How do you, how do you feel about those events? Do you feel like they're hitting on the right marks? Are they communicating properly with the audiences? Or do you feel like they can do more? I mean, there is always room for improvement. But as you mentioned, after like in the past three years, we saw many new big lineups and uh, events happening, especially like in Saudi. We, we've seen the beginning of Rush, which is also one of the biggest gaming events. Then G8 came last year with the G8 came competing globally, not just in the MENA region. They are now, which I think started about two days ago, the second the second G8. They have prizes over $40 million, which is one of the biggest prizes in the whole world when it comes to esports. 
esports. Uh, Dubai have done, you know, many events, uh, even now collaborating with Pocket Gamer, which is also, you know, one of the key players in the games industry. And all of that is thanks to the growing market in the MENA region, because now publishers and, you know, sponsors, brands, and even the government now understand the potential of gaming and how big it is in the region. I, I think there's 30% of the MENA population or 25% of the whole MENA population plays video game. And, you know, there is a lot of us in the MENA region. So that's a lot of people that you can target and they, they play different segments as well. Yeah, that's right. And uh, obviously with G8, we see there's a big reliance on content creators and promoting it and also attracting audiences to it. And while content creators are quite big all around the world, influencers and individuals have been growing significantly in the past 10 years. And the region is a bit behind on that, but there's still quite big on influencer marketing. Why do you think uh, influencer marketing is key for this industry in the region? And why do companies often work with them? So the new generation, or let's say people who are 30 years old and <laughs> yeah, 30 years old and less, they, they, they grew up with the, with digital content more than TV and digital content is all made by influencers. So before that, you know, people were used to hang posters of uh, like actors, celebrities more on their walls. But now, especially the younger generation, they see them hanging a poster of their favorite favorite content creator from YouTube or from Twitch. And since now digital content is so accessible, there is so many things to watch. And when it comes to gaming, you can just watch what you, what game you like. And then you see this player playing this game, you follow him, then this player later on wants to try another game and you see, oh, Oh, this looks interesting and you know the, the creators in the region and globally they built a following and this follow and this uh, this community follows them everywhere they go and when there is so many different creators in different segments like gaming tech lifestyle and all of them are kind of connected and overlapping with each other so that's why when you target uh, when you do like an influencer campaign you do it with let's, let's say with three influencers each one each one is from different segments and you're gonna see great results because everyone everyone who's connected digitally gonna get introduced to your game and that's something right. that wasn't really done before on TV, because if you do like a TV ad with one channel, you're you're just restricted to the audience of this channel. And it was much more expensive because right now there is a huge range of influencers that from from middle to high to even like celebrities now. Yeah. And given that the region is quite big, that means that there's need to diversify and be able to work with as many as possible to spread the word. Now, obviously, influencers influence us in more than just games. And there's a lot of companies that are non-gaming that do use those content creators that did become successful from gaming like uh, we've seen for example Banderita promoting a restaurant recently and he also launched his own brand and used his gaming influence to, to do that so how do you think companies that are not within the gaming sector how can they really benefit from the video game boom and how can they use the influence that influencers from the gaming sector have in uh, reaching their goals yeah gaming is like that one of the best thing about gaming is like compared to other you know other market segments, they are very interactive. So for example, a creator on Twitch, let's say Banderita or anyone on Twitch who is playing the game, they are interacting directly with the, with the influencer, with, the, with their community, sorry. And, you know, many, many, even many people feel that they built a connection. They made a friend with that creator because, you know, they're chatting with him or they're commenting on his videos and they are replying back. So that's why these communities, re, uh, the community and the influencer have, you know, much stronger relationship than normal celebrities have. And that's why, and that's why when other brands come, let's say there's a food brand coming to a gaming creator and the gaming creator actually likes the brand, promote it in their, their, in their, uh, own original way 
uh, the the community is gonna is want is gonna want to test that brand and see what it's all about. If this creator is is liking it, is eating it, then I want to test it too. Because you know, it's kind of like the word of mouth is one of the still one of the key marketing pillars in the MENA region, and it's transformed from talking to your brother about yo check this out to this influencer talking about this brand, for example. Right. Yeah, especially in the DCC, really, like um, the whole Majlis thing that uh, always was the biggest place to promote anything. Yeah. Uh, now transformed <laughs> to uh, having to sit in one room to seeing someone recommend to you uh, online, and especially that you build this emotional connection uh, and trust with those creators. Well, uh, thank you, Rahid, for your insights. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, we hope you that you've enjoyed our uh, little talk here. And uh, we hope that you stay tuned for the next episode. And take care. Thank you. Have a great day.